This podcast is proudly brought to you by Sky Racing and Ingress, number one in its field. We're back with John Sadler, who's training under his own banner again at Caulfield and enjoying it immensely. John, at what point in your career did you train a mare called Scandinavia? John, that was in the, that was in um, the late nineties. I went to um, uh, the Sydney Sales, and and I was terribly keen on on this um, this mare um, by Snippets. Uh, she really looked a she really looked a likely type, and uh, I think I was losing bid on. Uh, bitter on her um went up to the the, the vendors who um lee fleming and robert crabtree and told them i was losing bitter and i just loved they decided that they wouldn't sell her and hang on to her and i just told them i'd love to train her and they came back to me later on to say that i'd shown the interest that they would they were uh, happy to give her to me and look John, the first time I galloped her, she was she was just a natural, um, mm. um, just a great mare. And then um, we can look back in hindsight and see, uh, you know, uh, what a great influence she's had on the breeding industry. I know what you're going to say. She's the grandmother, if I'm correct, of black caviar. You certainly are. Yeah, the grandmother of black caviar and... Um, uh, just and just the family's going on and on and on and um, there's Magnus and uh, just so many horses you could mention, John. It's just such a had been such a strong influence. Pressman's Choice was one of your favourites. He raced eighty times altogether, fourteen wins, twenty-one placings. He won a Sandown Cup Group Two, and he won a Listed Ballarat Cup. And what an old marvel he was! Yeah, he was. He, um, uh, Johnny was. A, he was a horse that actually, at, at one stage of his career, got me out of a real hole. I, I, I bought a property at Flemington and owed a hell of a lot of money, and mm-hmm. um, and I had very little at the time. And um, uh, he was he was able to uh, to through a very big bet that I had on him in a in a Hamilton Cup actually <laughs> um, that he he, w- he was able to win it and uh, and give me enough money to put down a, a deposit on this property yeah funny you mentioned that because uh, a very learned uh, person that I happen to know in Victoria told me only last week about the Hamilton Cup betting coup. I think you chartered a light plane with a few mates and you had money sticking out of every pocket when you got back on the plane. Was, was that true? <laughs> he might have thrown a little bit of mayonnaise on the story, <laughs> John, your friend, but I, I can remember flying home that day and being so relieved that the whole morning all I did was dry reach. And um, <laughs> when we, we got on, we got on this, it was an old plane, to fly back to um, to fly back to Melbourne, and uh, of course we're obviously all delighted, and probably more than anything relieved with the result. Mm. And these were the days I used to smoke and and um, and love to drink. And anyway, um, I, I said to one of the guys, I, it was the Gouch actually, who was sitting in front of me, and uh, I said, "Geez, I would love a smoke." And the Gouch 
loved us, mate. He said, yeah, yeah. And the, and, and the guy heard us, he, the uh, pilot heard us. He said, you can have a smoke, guys. He said, that doesn't worry me at all. He said, go for your life. Said, oh, that's terrific, you know. Mm. And um, and someone else just happened to say, well, look, it had toppled off if we, uh, if, there were, if we could have a beer. We should have got some beer. He said, well, look, while you're at the races, he said, I went and he said, I filled an esky up. He said, there's beer down the back of the plane. <laughs> so... I looked at the gouch and I said, well, I don't know. I said, some people say getting married or your first child are the happiest days of your life. I said, I reckon that's all bullshit. I said, this has (laughs) got to be the happiest day of my life. (laughs) The Hamilton Cup. The Hamilton Cup, winning the money, the smoke in one end and the can of VB in the other, Tappy. Utopia. (laughs) Utopia. (laughs) What happened in 1999? to warrant your relinquishing your trainer's licence. Your family and friends were stunned. Yeah, I'd got I, – look, I just got really sick of it, John. Um, I don't know whether, um, you know, you, you, we'll, we'll touch on this later when it suits, but um, I don't know whether the, the, the depression was starting to uh, come in without me knowing at all, but I, I was – pretty down in the mouth about the caper. I think it was my problem. It certainly wasn't racing problem. It was my problem and uh, with the sport, and I just wanted to get out for a while. But, um, geez, it, it didn't didn't take long for me to get the passion or want to get back into it. It was only a matter of uh, four or five months, and um, I, I it's, it's sort of what stops me even thinking about retirement now. I'm not interested in retiring at all, one, not one little bit, and because – I did that for a little while, and um, the grass is not as greener on the other side of the fence as I thought it was, John. Exactly. Now, what about the fateful phone call from Greg Hall with a proposal that bowled you over? Yeah, well, he Greg was Greg had got had a season in Dubai and and rang me and said that um, there may have been a, a position looming. Would I be interested? In, and um, gee, I just thought for the whole family, it it, it could have been, might have been great. Um, uh, Les uh, Les Benton was over there running uh, racing at the time, and um, so I. I, I got on a plane and went over to see Les and he could see that because I did that, I was quite serious about it. Um, I did get the job there and I, I had uh, four really, really good years there, Tabby. Now, they tell me the horses in Dubai enjoy five-star luxury. Yeah, it's a- absolutely. Um, uh, apart from probably most of them not being able to get out into paddocks, some of them do, but... Um, uh, during the really hot weather, but uh, look, they're extremely well looked after. Magnificent stabling blocks um, during the really hot weather. They're all air conditioned. Very, very comfortable for them. And um, yeah, no, they all the toys are there for them, Tappy, and uh, they're given every chance. You got uh, a percentage check, a prize money percentage check, on one occasion. And uh, when you opened it and had a look at the amount, you almost fainted. It was only place percentage. Well, actually, fourth as far as that was concerned, John. It was in it was in the World Cup uh, in the year two thousand, mm. and um, I, I was I was given quite a lot of horses by Godolphin. Um, a lot of them 
um, you know, had had been horses that had, had either broken down or uh, not succeeded to their level, and um, uh, so we were given quite. I was given quite a few of those horses, and and one of them was a horse called State Shinto. Uh, who we were able to resurrect and get him back to his best form. And uh, he was my first winner at Dubai in a mile race over there. And his second start was in the World Cup. He, after he won that mile race, he was given an invitation into the World Cup, which was very, very exciting stuff. And um, the race being worth an absolute fortune. And uh, he, he looked he, he looked the winner coming to the home turn. He really genuinely looked like he was going to win the race. He just faded the last 200 metres, but battled on on well to run fourth. And it was um, after, after uh, it was 600,000 Aussie to run fourth. And so it was, it was my biggest paycheck at the time um, in running fourth in a race. And that was, uh, that was $60,000, no tax, Tappy. So it, it um, it all went to me, so a, a big, big paycheck for not winning a race. No wonder your eyes popped. Yeah, they popped all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll pause for a break, John, on the podcast. Back after this. The 2019 English Australian Easter Yearling Sale was the second best ever conducted. Well over $122 million was traded over two days with 19 lots realising a million or more. 75 lots sold for $500,000 or more, up from 72 last year. Seven stallions recorded the highest ever individual sale price, including Schnitzel 2.8 million, Exceed and Excel 1.7 million, Lonro 1.4 million, Brazen Bow 1.1. The day one trade of almost 64 million was a Southern Hemisphere record for an individual day's yearling sale turnover. It was a huge two days at beautiful Riverside in front of an energetic buying bench from all corners of the globe. Well, John Sadler's life at this time of his career was one challenge after another. He had a successful and happy stint uh, with Lloyd Williams when Lloyd had his horses housed at Flemington. And uh, he did go to Macedon Lodge, though, when Lloyd Williams made the transfer and uh, had a lot of fun. In fact, you're entitled to some of the credit for a Fishens win in the Melbourne Cup, surely. Yeah, I, I um, yeah, I feel like, you know, I feel like that I trained efficient. Um, well, I know I trained him, and uh, he was a terrific horse. One of the best, certainly the best stayer that that I've trained. Um, I always felt that efficient might have been a horse that. Um, Maybe could have gone to Ascot and and performed really well in in, in an Ascot Gold Cup. Um, uh, whereas you know we're probably better known for our better horses being uh, being able to go over there and take the sprinters on. Uh, but I thought he was just one stayer who could have who could have gone over. But um, uh, Lloyd probably not decided against that, but. Uh, the horse did have some soundness issues, and I think that had more to do with it that why he didn't go over. But he was mm. he was a terrific horse, efficient. Next adventure was a training partnership with young Troy Corstens, which lasted four years, and it appears to have been harmonious, and it was certainly successful. Yeah, no, I look back upon that with, um, um, 
you know, has, has been a good part of my life, really enjoyed it, enjoyed working with the Troys. Uh, he was a, a, a young gun at the time. He's still only middle-aged and um, and uh, taken the game on himself with his, his, his father. Um, uh, just towards the end of that four-year stint was when um, – when I got depression, John, and mm. uh, and decided that, um, well, it, it, probably the decision was made for me that uh, that Troy was going to go out on his own. Um, at the time, I co- I couldn't help much. I I spent probably uh, four four months or so under the covers, and. Um, um, yeah, that's it's not it's not a period of my life that I look back upon and um, uh, with any joy. It was um, yeah, it's, it's, I didn't understand depression at all, and uh, um, probably thought when people were depressed, I I, I think it's the, there's the wrong the wrong word is for depression. There should be a, another word for it because we all feel depressed at different times, but. Depression's a real sickness, and um, I was just going to say that I, I, before I got it, I thought, oh, those people that you would hear that couldn't get out of bed, and and I, 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 I had no pity for them at all, and mm. I actually look back now and um, disappointed the way I felt about those sort of people, but it had I, I had to actually get it to understand it, and um, but I've been I've I've been lucky enough, John, that medication has got me right mm-hmm. and um i'm i'm back as good as gold and please god um uh, it doesn't reoccur again in my life because it doesn't only bring you down but um it doesn't have a good effect on the people close to you well said mate you had a lot to do with a horse called linton when you were working for lloyd williams and you always liked him yeah, he was a um, uh, he was a horse. I can remember Lloyd sending me um, a, a video to of the uh, all the horses that were um, um, for sale in the ready to run New Zealand back at that time. Uh, Two year old ready to run sale, and and Linton was one of them. A Galileo Colt, and uh, look to anybody, he was he was an absolute standout. I think Lloyd paid two seventy for him, which was a lot at the time at a ready to run sale. But he did look a standout. Um, it was the he, he came to um, he came to Masson Lodge in my final year. Um, he never raced while I was there, but uh, because it always really liked the horse, watched his career closely, and when I heard that uh, uh, it was possible that he could be bought, um, and you know I'd been told that he was still in in good shape. And still had quite a reasonable racing career ahead of him. That uh, I was lucky enough through a guy by the name of Martin Telty. Um, Telty's a well-known in, in racing in in, um, uh, in New South Wales. And Martin was over working at in Dubai uh, when I was there, and we remained good friends when I'd left. And he told me that he uh, he'd run into a guy with um, the had quite a lot of money and a very rich man and he was looking to buy a horse, but he would prefer to buy a grey horse. I said, have I got the horse for you? So <laughs> it, it, went, it went from there and he bought um, 
Linton. He bought Linton and Linton went on to um, to I, – I just had my doubts about him being a genuine stay, and I think that's probably why Lloyd did get rid of him because um, he didn't suit his criteria as a Melbourne Cup horse. So um, with that in mind, I, I decided that uh, he was out of a centaine mare and um, centaine being a century horse and century going back to better boy, of course, all, all fresh, yeah. fresh horses and um, um, a lot better um, to train them doing a little bit less and a little mm. bit too much. So uh, uh, he appreciated that sort of training and, and, uh, but, and everything fell our waste in the Stradbroke, um, uh, I can remember a, a young girl by the name of Carolyn Mason who had a lot to do with Linton. She did a, she was a great girl and uh, still is a great girl. She uh, worked for me for quite a period of time. Very, very good track work rider. And um, she took Linton up there and uh, we weren't able to get there for the 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 barrier draw. So we asked if she'd go and, and she drew 21 John, so um, she rang me with tears, or <laughs> rang me in tears, and I said, "Oh well, there's um, there's nothing you can do about it. It's just bad luck." And um, uh, but as it turned out, it was that draw that won us the race because we made the decision from that alley it was no good going forward um, that we would go back to last, stay on the rail, and just hope for the best. Mm, and, and the amazed- heavens opened. They did, John, amazingly. They just kept peeling off in front of him. They just kept peeling, and he just kept going through and through and through. And, um, uh, yeah, that was a really big thrill. And that's uh, actually that's the last Group 1 winner that I've, that I've trained, but um, enjoyed that one very much. At the height of the Aquanita scandal, you were subjected to a great deal of scrutiny by racing Victoria stewards. Because you were housed in the same stable where the then-alleged offences took place, some of your horses were being pre-race tested much more than normal. In fact, stewards took the unusual step of scratching one of your horses from a Group 3 race. Inevitably, John, it all came to a head and you delivered a pretty biting broadside at the Chief Steward Terry Bailey, resulting in a six-week suspension for misconduct. How do you look back on a most unpleasant affair nowadays? Yeah, you explained it well, John. It was it, unpleasant, still leaves a sour taste in my mouth. Probably, um, probably should have got over it by now that I haven't. I lost a lot of confidence um, uh in in the stewards over this, um, I, I I really did believe that I was treated unfairly. Um, what happened didn't have anything to, to do with my stable, but I was treated like um, I was one of the, the people that they had alleged had had uh, um, hadn't done the right thing by their horses. Um, uh, I, I I just. I've there's just a I have a you know I'm not necessarily saying that I'm right about this John but I just I just I'm a great believer in integrity of course in fact these people that say oh there's got to be integrity of course there's got to be integrity it's like saying if 
got to have education. I mean, there must be strong integrity for the for the for the punters to have confidence in the industry. I mean, that's just a given. Um, but it's the way uh, the way they go about it. And I believe, and I still believe at the moment, although things have improved here in Victoria, but they've still got a long way to... There's not, not a great relationship with the trainers. And I'm just a great believer that, um, for example, the, the Weir case um, that we've had not long ago, not, not good for racing. I'm not casting any dispersions on Darren Weir. I, I don't know, but obviously there was something that wasn't right. But it was put to bed. It was put to bed quickly, John. It happened quickly, and it happened quickly for the good of the industry. We we love the industry, so we don't want to see it be hurt. But if you do the crime, you do the time. End of story. I've done the crime before, and I've done the time. But um, uh, at the same time, look after the game. And uh, it's a great game, as we, as we all know. And um, I love it, and I don't enjoy seeing it hurt in any way, shape or form. John, you've been a very active progenitor in your time. Two marriages, seven kids. Yeah, you haven't been idle. Well, you couldn't do that to one woman, Tabby, could you? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd have an answer like that. Yeah. But yes, I haven't been that successful in the in the marriage stakes. Um, uh, I've got I've got uh, seven great children though, to um, who I, I just I believe have a terrific relationship. Uh, with them, four four boys and 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 three girls. Um, obvious thing to say from a from a dad. Love them all um, more than you can imagine. And uh, they're very, even though the dad um, hasn't always been uh, a top bloke all his life. They've been very forgiving and um, uh, been very very kind to me. Tom Sadler, one of your brood, is a gifted horseman. He battled massive weight problems when he was riding on the flat, still made his mark by the same token, and he's now riding over the jumps and doing it very, very well. But is a father's tension more pronounced when his son is riding over the jumps? Well, look, I, I think um, a lot of people say he was apprenticed to me, Tom, and a lot of people said I was too hard on him. Um, unfortunately for Tom, he's very, very much like his dad, and um, uh, he's 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 a good rider. Um, he, he understands the game pretty well. Um, I, I th- he, he was um, he was he was busting to to put on weight. He really struggled the last couple of years. He's not bred to be a jockey at all, mm. um, and but he stayed in it for as long as he could. He 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 had his ups and downs. Um, got rubbed out on a couple of occasions, 
But um, look, he really enjoys the competition of it. Now he's able to eat normally, live a normal life, mm. and still be involved in the competition of the game, and and that's riding as a as a, as a jumps rider. And the jumps riders now, John, get also get um, uh, a pretty good go on these um, high weight races that the clubs put on um, to give the jumping jockeys a little bit more of a go, but. Um, uh, he's, he's, he's got a big week coming up this week. I'm not sure of his rides. Of course, we've got the great jumping carnival at, uh, at Warnable through the week. And, um, really, uh, he's really looking forward to that. And, and I, I enjoy and, and go over each jump with him, John. Mm. And one of your sons, Ed, worked at Sky Channel for a short time. And I had a couple of very pleasant conversations with him, a nice lad, and uh, John, please give him my very best regards. But mate, I've looked at the clock, and we're way over time. We could go round again, Tappy. Mate, I want to thank you for a very frank, a very honest, a very informative, and a very entertaining interview. And I've enjoyed it immensely. Thank you so much for being our special guest on the podcast. Absolute pleasure, John. This podcast was produced by Supernova Sound. The focus of thoroughbred breeders will now centre on the English Chairman's Sale and the Australian Broodmare and Weanling Sale to be held at Riverside from May the 2nd. A magnificent collection of top-class mares will be offered. Group 1 winner Aloysia, dual Group 1 winner Srikandi in full to American Pharaoh, Santa Ana Lane's Dam, Fast Fleet in full to Zoostar, Inca Lagoon, Dam of Hong Kong champion I Victory in Fold to Sebring. Group 2 winning mare Snitty Kitty. Norzita, champion three year old filly of her generation in Fold to Schnitzel. Pasadena Girl, Savabeel's only Group 1 winning two year old filly in Fold to Sebring. Fiesta's Dam, now now, in Fold to Piero. Noondi, the Dam of Booker, in Fold to Ritten Tycoon. Dash off the dam of Sprite, in foal to I am invincible. Apology not accepted, the only mare in foal to Medagliadoro to be offered this year. So serene, a winning exceed and excel mare, in foal to Sebring. Netoya, a daughter of Sebring, being offered as a racing and breeding prospect. 53 lots and a few wild cards will be offered at the boutique sale commencing at 6.30 Friday, May 3rd at Riverside Stables.